Oh my goodness. Oh, look at that go. Look at that. Zippy. 280. 267 is what I said, but yeah. Okay, well, I didn't think you were actually reading it. Look, I know what numbers are. I can see numbers. You can glance at the screen and see it immediately. It doesn't take much. Yeah, but I, I think I'd, I assume other people do what I do, which is just skim read everything. <laughs> and then sometimes I forget that people actually pay attention to detail. Yeah. That's it's going to come back to bite you. Yeah. <laughs> Happy okay, New Year! First ep back. What a what a long time to go without seeing my Nikki Blue Eyes. It does feel like it does feel like it was a long time. So yeah, much I has think happened. It's the longest, the longest we've gone. That can't be true. That definitely well, can't just, be true. <laughs> there was like six well, months whatever. when I first moved to New Zealand, where we were like, eh, maybe we don't do this anymore. Really? Yeah, or at least like three months. I'm sure of it. At the start. Well, my point is like. Nick, like with this podcast, like you can just throw shit out there. And sure. if you didn't call me out on it, like everyone, people would just go, okay, yeah, sure. I guess okay. it's the longest they've gone without recording in <laughs> yeah. nine years. Three weeks. <laughs> Three weeks. Has it been? No, it's been a month. It's been a month. It's been close to a month, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll we pay could that. have had We could have had one ninth of a baby in that time. <laughs> I suppose maybe not us. But, like, individually, as side projects, yeah, we both could have gone off and, and <laughs> started babies. We could have conceived. I we mean, we had look, twins. We could have had twins. How was your Christmas? Let's get this out of the way. Fine. Good. Hobart. Hobart, yes. Tasmania as well. It was, um, it was actually a week outside of Launceston, which was mm. sort of beach housey vibes. Nothing really to do, nothing really around, just sort of sitting... Enjoying weather, reading book, drinking, eating lots yeah. of food. It was it was very pleasant. And then three or four days in Hobart at the end. I tell you what, did Mona? That mm. that's a museum. That's a fucking that's a good time. That's a good time. I've never uh, done it. I was very eager. It lived up to expectations. Did you get a little of the backstory of how that came to be? I that's, I, that's almost more interesting than the art. Well, please fill us in. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, it's almost more interesting than the art, Michael. This has got to be a great story. All right. Let me just do revisionist butchered his drunk history. I'll just call it drunk history because... <laughs> you, you haven't even started drinking yet. Uh, um, I think the guy was like a gambler. And, you know, he was spending a lot of money on gambling and uh -huh. maybe he had a coke addiction. Let's just oh. throw that in there. Yeah, I mean, that's, and then, that's slander, but sure, let's throw it in there. And then he, uh, and then he, and then he you know, got a bit of money together and, and built that thing, built the Mona Lisa, whatever it's called. And, uh, and now it's one of the biggest landmarks in Tasmania. Yeah. There you go. Great, History. great little story. Fun yeah. fact. Genuinely, very cool site, very fine architecture, mm. very interesting art. Wish I had Immersive. more time there. And you get to take a ferry, a party ferry. I know. The ferry was good. I, I remember I did that not too long ago, a couple of years ago, and just spent the whole time at the front of the ferry, just like a dog. Like a dog would when like they get into a car and it window. goes. That's what, that was what <laughs> I was doing, essentially. It's just standing at the Sniffing front the and air. just 
<laughs> just, well, <laughs> just having the, the, the sea breeze just ah, powerfully like wrapping my cheeks. The zinc smelts. Ah, yes. Great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's always fun. Like, I think more, I mean, more venues, I, in my opinion, should uh, involve a, a taxi via the water. Okay. Because that's, that's all, that's because you have something to look forward to before the event. Yeah. Then you have the event and then you've got going back home is also fun. You know, it's, it's actually got this sort of psychological benefit, right? Where you have this, it's like going to Disneyland and you have to like take a shuttle bus there or something. You have this anticipatory ride and then afterwards you have the come down as well. So there's like a transition. It's not like you just walk in off the street and thrown into a gallery and all of a sudden now you have to like switch modes it's like you have a a process of compression and decompression as you go in and out of the building sure it's it's quite um it it really i guess brings the focus in where it otherwise you might just it wouldn't feel as special perhaps if you didn't have that yeah or you could just sit at the front and just sniff the wind sniff the wind actually spent the return trip on hold to air new zealand because my flight back was cancelled so oh. I didn't really absorb the ferry on return, but um, conceptually, at least, I think it holds true. So you had a bit of bad luck. So you, they, Qantas lost, and let's name and shame here, Qantas. His name was lost Darren. Lost your baggage. He put my bag on the ground next to the carousel and didn't pick it up. His name was Darren Jacobson. He's age 23 and he lives at this address, which I will now let. By the way, all baggage handlers definitely called Darren or Daryl. Daryl, Darren, or Derek. 90%. Fun fact. 90%. Fun fact, 90% of bag, baggage handlers called Darren. Yeah, that's because they had to rehire everyone after they um, they sacked them all in the COVID era. And they were able to institute a policy of derelated names. Don't you love Qantas? So tell me about the the lost baggage. That's That was that must have been terrible. That well, must it, have been awful. Oh, thank you so much for your sincere compassion. Um, I'm trying to be a therapist. <laughs> that's How does that not, make you feel? It doesn't Nick? sound like a therapist. Um, I'm, a, just... I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a sarcastic therapist. <laughs> oh, okay. that must have been so, so hard. Oh. oh, you're so special. <laughs> the, How was um, it, though? It, I, I want to hear the story. It was not that interesting a story, but the, the big irritation was it had, like, presents in it, and I was just nervous that if the bag never turned up again, then presents would not be there for christmas but thankfully despite the inconvenience of going one night without the bag they arrived the next day and so it was it was oh, all so okay. they deliver it to your accommodation they have to get it to you wherever you are oh yeah so as it turned so do, out sorry do they have a service for that like i guess there's someone whose job it is to literally in every city just drive bags around whenever they turn up wherever they go that's the closest thing we've got to a real Santa Claus. <laughs> that's just... that's Santa. Um, yeah. his, his, we, we were an hour out of Launceston, and they would have had to drive it out to us in Greens Beach. But as it turns out, mm. my mum was coming back, coming a day later than the rest of us. So we were going back into town to pick her up the next day. So oh, we just grabbed okay. it from the airport. But Okay. Yeah, um, a few irritated people. And it, it was very classic, like... Um, service when we watched all the bags do you know when you're doing that thing in front of the carousel waiting for the bag to come and it never shows up and you're like starting to get the feeling like hmm i feel like this isn't our flight anymore and i feel like everyone else Mm. i was with is leaving and i don't have a bag still 
And then this guy came up and said, ah, oh, sorry, anyone whose bags aren't here, please go over to the Qantas person over here. So we redirected it. And Launceston's not a huge airport either. So we head around to this guy and I've never encountered a guy less le- taking less responsibility for the problem. Yeah. <laughs> Just like a look, this was a Melbourne thing. <laughs> Melbourne didn't put it on. I can't help you. I can't magic the bags up. I'm sorry. Fill out this piece of paper and they'll look into it. I was like, yeah. okay, but like, can we go buy the clothes we need overnight? And he's like, I don't know. You'll have to speak to the airline. And we're like, yeah. sorry, aren't you the airline? He said, no, I'm an employee of the airport. I'm not a Qantas representative. You'll have to speak to Qantas or check their website. It's like, okay, yeah. but they sent us here to you. And he's like, it's not, I've never done this before. <laughs> this isn't my deal. <laughs> it's my first day. <laughs> and I was like, says- have you ever lost a bag like before? And he's like, Did no, you actually not personally. <laughs> no, I said, have you- you- I-, I-, I asked it in the way of like, have you never but had you, to deal with people who've lost bags before? Oh, and he's like, yeah. I've never lost a bag before. I was like, okay, well, that's, I'm happy for you. <laughs> that was never, it wasn't sort of once. germane to my inquiries. But um, in the end, I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll fill out the form and then I'll <laughs> see what happens. And thankfully it all worked out. But um, yeah, yeah that's to say. so annoying. What about yourself? Well, let, let, let me just go back to the baggage carousel because I have been thinking about this in my travels that like I get that it's an efficient system. So the, the bags come out, they're loaded out of the train, out of whatever, the plane and onto the carousel and then you wait with yeah. everyone else for your bag to come out. But it, I get that it's efficient, but it's also like kind of weirdly not very specific to you. It's just like everyone's luggage is here. Yeah. It's like taking a Greyhound bus and they were just pull all the bags out and you just pick yours and you're on and the way. And there's no, like, no one's checking. No one's being like, there's oh, no you've, accountability. Got, you've got ticket number 212. Here's 212. Okay, there you go. Exactly. Anyone can grab anything and just walk out. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that we should reinvent that system because that's a, that's going to clog it, clog the system up way more than it needs to be. But it is just a kind of a weird thing that, you know, we've just got this system in place and everyone just goes, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll just do that. Look, I don't want to spend too much time talking about airport bureaucracy because it's not very interesting but i will take a brief diversion here to say that on our return from on our rebooked flight from hobart we were going to go hobart auckland christchurch instead we went hobart melbourne christchurch so our international leg was melbourne the point of that is that we had to go through international customs in christchurch instead of in auckland and when we came back through christchurch they had uh, instituted a new system here that I just want to run past you. So picture this, you're, you're going through international transit. You're off the plane, you're walking down the concourse. First stop, what do you expect? You're going to, you know, you, you grab your e-ticket or your, your customs form, you've done all that paperwork, you're all good to go. Traditionally, you get to the carousels, you pick your bag up, you go through customs and biosecurity. Hey, I have no fish products, tick. Off we go. See you later. When we got off the plane in Christchurch, they had rejiggered it so that you walk down the concourse and you hit customs before you've got your bag. So there's this huge queue of people there Hmm. with just a paperwork to say, hey, I've got nothing, you know, I've got no fish. And they would tick it off and then you would go and get your bag. And when you'd gone through customs, they'd give you a card 
And then you'd take that card and your bag to the exit and they would direct you onto a different line. So it was oh, this weird. whole other convoluted system thing where everyone bottlenecked at customs first instead of getting your bag. And so we right. spent 15 minutes in this line watching as our bags just did circles on the concourse oh, on the other God. side of the thing. Like so infuriating. And I don't understand yeah. the efficiency at all. I don't know how that, see how that makes it any better. And indeed, once we oh. grabbed our bag off the concourse and took our little green card, hey, lane four, I'm, I'm declared nothing. I'm great. Let me out. We got to the exit and lane four wasn't even open anymore. And so now we had to go through lane three and have it all scanned in x-rays, even though we'd been declared fine at the front. It was a complete clusterfuck. Shemo- that's a shemozzle. That's a shemozzle, Michael. That is the definition of shemozzle. That's a shemozzle. That's, 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 uh, that's bullshit. I hate, like, I hate, I hate when they, when why did you fix? Why did you fuck with it? Jig shit. Yeah. Don't really tell wrong? anyone. There's no communication about it. You just work it out, and then you get a nasty surprise after a long haul flight. You know what's great? An e-ticket, an e like a, an e-passport, I should say. Go up, slide your passport in, smile, walk through the gate. That's a great improvement. I understand why you put that in, rather than having to queue up and stare at a guy who comes and snaps your passport. Brilliant. Mm. E-passports. Let's do it. I don't understand what this change achieved at all. It only seemed to make things probably 20 minutes slower. And in the very last moment of an international leg, when you just want to leave the fucking airport and you're stuck mm. there for like twice as long. Ugh. Call him out. Call him out, Nick. His name was Darren Johnston and his address is 123. What? <laughs> That's his address. It's this is where he lives. <laughs> yeah. Okay. In Christchurch, is one... pretty small here. It's one, There's two one street. is the street, and yeah. three is the suburb. Yeah. We That's keep it very efficient. Okay. What's the How was code? your Christmas? <laughs> this is a long intro. This is a, such a long intro. But look, we've right. we've committed now, and we'll, we'll get this shit out of the way. All right. My Christmas. Overall, fairly good, I would say. Maybe like a 6.5. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was th- I was in Adelaide for two weeks, which is too long. I'm afraid it's just too long. You know, by the by 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 Christmas Eve, the family's kind of the the shine of oh you're you're back home has kind of worn off. People are starting to get on each other's nerves, and it starts to get tense, like it used to. You know, like yeah. just classic. Everyone just slips back into their roles. You know, mom, dad, brother, sister. Like, it's just like, it was a lot. I was ready to leave. I hope they don't hear this. I had a great time. Um, but, um, <laughs> yeah, it was just a lot of lot of drinking. Lauren came down. Oh, her, her parents met my parents for the first time, which was oh. fun. Yeah, so they, they spent Christmas with us. They hated the Ukrainian food, which was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I got to meet my sister's parents. Uh, boyfriend and it was good it was good but i was fucking ready to be home i tell you what yeah and interesting because for what seven months of this year you were overseas and and starting to like talk nostalgically about walking down adelaide streets on google maps and this kind of thing and then sure enough the reality of being back in it is is different yeah well to, to be fair i think that was like more 
the the nostalgia there. I'm not sure if it was a nostalgia, but it was kind of a longing, a yearning for home and to have our own space and nest a little bit. Yeah. And Adelaide's always got this kind of like special place. It's like nice to come back to. But I've you know I've worked out the formula now, and it's you know it's four four days or four nights, five yeah. days, in and out. Any more than that, it's you're eating. You're just eating too much ice cream, I think, and it's you're going to feel sick in the morning. <laughs> oh, welcome to Deep Thought, everybody! Thank you so much for joining us in this, the year of our Lord, 2024. This is a podcast in which we discuss the big issues of the day through just the lens of two normal folks sitting through the internet with me in Melbourne, my friend Michael. Bonjour. He's been overseas. Duolingo. (laughs) Duolingo. My name is Nick. Thank you so much for joining us. Hope you had a lovely holiday season. Whatever you were up to, wherever you went, wherever you didn't go. I hope it was wonderful and I hope you put on lots of kilograms. I assume assume that's like a good thing for most people. Uh, So having... You've put on a few kgs yourself, haven't you? In a good way. Thank you. Thank you. I did feel... Uh, heavy in all my photos, which is which is unusual. I did uh, just for the listener. I did message Nick the other day because I saw a photo of him with his, at Christmas with his sister, and I messaged Nick to say that you know he's, he looked pretty much unrecognizable. The man is the man is shredded. He's uh, he's a Hulk, <laughs> and uh, I just I, I love this little exchange that we had. I'll just read it out. <laughs> okay, maybe. I didn't realize this was for public consumption. Well, I mean, I didn't plan well, on it, I mean, but like, sure. I think it's funny. So I said to Nick, I saw a photo of you on Georgie's Instagram yesterday, barely recognize you. You're huge. And then I said, I was trying to think of like, you know, ways to say he looked hench, beefed, beefed. yoked. <laughs> and I said, you you look like Blow Rogan. And I admitted that didn't really. So you, 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 need to, you also need to add the other element here, which is that as a gay person, you thought that it was important to find some combination of me being gay and also being fit in this name. So that's important context before you just throw Blow Rogan out there. <laughs> well, well, too fair. I did. I didn't actually. In- <laughs> I didn't actually intend to make it a gay thing but like so i was also trying i was trying i was trying to find ways to like incorporate i was like your name but then i was like what's another part of his personality yeah a bit nerdy <laughs> um and then i was like you know maybe i don't really know the guy that yeah, well i've um, got nothing as so i'll just stick with the gay thing um so I said, blow Rogan, that didn't really work. Gain, gain the rock, gain the rock Johnson. And then I gave up. And then Nick, at the writer that he is, he just punched up everything, came back with Dwayne the Cock Johnson. Wait, no. Drain the Cock Johnson. Drain the Cock Johnson. Which is just, <laughs> which is just exquisite. That is, that is just one of my better pieces of work. I'll admit it. Comedy gold. Good grief. Season three, uh, <laughs> I'm assuming the cold open is just going to be based around yeah, Drain the Cock Johnson. We've sorted that already. Um, but no, you are looking great. Um, Thank you. Likewise. Are you settled in? Do you feel grounded and Australian again? And you've been, you had some time at work before we, before yeah. we broke for Christmas. Okay. Uh, yeah. So it, look, it has been a bit of a shit, shit show since we've come back. 
Um, I started a new job two weeks before Christmas, worked from home from Adelaide for two weeks, uh, for one week. Sorry. I'm just boring myself. Like I'm thinking about work and I'm boring myself. Um, and then we were planning to, the, I, the plan was to come back to take over Lauren's parents' lease, um, where we are, where I am right now. Um, but that has been extended, uh, for a while due to some, uh, reasons and uh so essentially we've been living with our folks for a month and it's nice Mm, it sounds like after some time in adelaide living with your folks it must be really nice to be back in melbourne living with folks as well so yes yes i mean look look it's we are i was just um, we're we're grateful we're staying grateful we're staying zen i guess the, the issue i think without the jokes is that when you spend so much time with ultimate independence yeah, and then you go from that to living back with your parents, my parents first, and then Lauren's folks, it's like, it's like taking a, like a social ice plunge or something. It's like, (laughs) it's, it's like so stark. It's, it's like you're flexing different muscles. You're acting differently. You're kind of on high alert all the time. And it's, uh, exhausting but like i said very grateful very zen and very numb <laughs> that's what the alcohol is for <laughs> that's what the booze is for in the valium and all everything else but we're not we're not here to talk about my stress are we <laughs> and how does that make you feel it's <laughs> <laughs> like that's like a, an alien tried sarcasm for the first time. <laughs> Thank you. That's one of my... Yeah, I did a weird thing. <laughs> I've you actually, don't need to involve your eyes. Can I, I had so much coffee on our holiday and often twice a day, which is I, I normally only have one coffee a day. Uh, and particularly in the international travel, um, we had got up at 4 a.m., mm for the international leg out, had big, long, like 18-hour days to get over there. And then when they cancelled our flight, we'd booked back a lovely sort of 12.20 p.m. departure for an 8 p.m. return, like perfect, absolutely couldn't be better. And then they cancelled it and we had a 6 a.m. flight again. And well, that's not the same thing, It's not it? the There's same fucking thing. a very different flight. That's a very different flight. And... Anyway, uh, as a result of that, I felt like I had just gone crazy on the coffee for like three weeks straight. And so I got home and I was like, I'm going to have a week without coffee and just sort of like recalibrate a little bit. Just a tiny little detox because I don't want to be someone who needs it in order to be like functioning. So I thought, start of the year, you know, let's let's just wind it back. But I do feel like, you know, the the recalibration has has the Parkinson's is showing. Yeah. I was trying to finish your sandwich. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but I do feel like I have had to like readjust all of my um So my you're still intake. off the coffee? I'm still off it. I'm going to do it until Tuesday, until Wednesday, I should say. So full Interesting. week. So how are you feeling now? That That is one, one, one addiction that I haven't ever considered and probably will never consider. But I, 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 I'm, I'm interested. I feel okay, actually. When I was at whitebait all those years ago i was it was known that i would have a coffee on a monday a tuesday and a thursday and i and i did that deliberately so i had three coffees a week and i tried to have two days where i didn't 
and everyone looked at me like I was crazy. And, and I will admit that it is kind of crazy, but I just, I didn't want to be the person who had to have two coffees a day to feel alive or to get any work done. And I think it yeah. did pay off, but then that's just gradually slipped over time to now having a pretty more, you know, at least a, a coffee a day for a long while. So yeah. I, having now been on a run where I was having two or three coffees across this holiday period, I was just like, ah, let's just take it away. And it hasn't been too bad, actually. I've been sleeping pretty well, but I haven't actually been like fully back into work. So it, it's sort of been the time to do it. Yeah. It, coffee, coffee is one of those things, or caffeine really, is that is one of those things that I don't even realize because it's so part of my routine. I don't even realize what it does anymore. Yeah. But that if you took it away... It would it, the absence of it would be no, more noticeable than the actual feeling of the thing itself. I know what you mean. Which yeah. is kind of which is kind of crazy. Like I, I mean, I I drink an insane amount of coffee. Like I, how I many coffees do you cold, have a day? Well, I don't even measure it. I measure it in liters. I may, that's <laughs> I don't even I don't even measure it in cups. I'm not joking because I have I have a cold cold brew pitcher that you know soaks overnight and. When I wake up in the morning, uh, it's like, you know, a liter and a half of coffee and I just drink that whole thing. And then sometimes I'll have another one. Uh, so I, I'm just drinking an insane amount of coffee. That's but a lot of coffee. Cold brew is strong. Yeah. Cold brew is strong because it's been soaking for 24 hours. I mean, it's, uh, I know it's, it's not, it's not great, but like, I don't know. I, who am I? I mean, I have so many addictions now. There are, there are worse. smoking my vape now. Yeah, I was going to say there are worse things that you should look at cutting out than the coffee. But yeah, that's a lot. Well, it's a lot. It's a lot. Do you ever wonder, like, you know how Seth Rogen smokes? He's just like constantly smoking weed, and it's he's proud of it, right? He's like he's so proud of smoking weed. But I'm like, you're addicted to a drug, and everyone's just like because everyone's so. You know, it's come full circle that everyone's like, you know, uh, weed legalize weed, legal legalize marijuana. Weed's actually safe, man. It's natural. That it's we're kind of celebrating someone's addiction, and weed is not like weed's not like caffeine. It's like it's changing your perception of things. Like, yeah. I just find it funny that we're kind of applauding Seth Rogen for his you know, championing of the, of the marijuana. And it, it, I think it's a little, uh, it's not, inc it's inconsistent. I don't, because if yeah. he was drinking that much, like people would be like, Hey, you got a problem. Well, the question I suppose is what are the effects of the usage, right? Like by all accounts, um, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg are incredibly productive, like producers, like they, they're the producers on a bunch of shows, you know, they did preacher, they did, the boys, you know, th these kind of things yeah. where they are actively well-regarded and, and productive, making good shit all the time. So Stone. I'm guessing... But you wouldn't say the same thing about a functioning alcoholic. Well, but people sort of do allow a functioning alcoholic to get by with it, don't they? But they're not celebrated. They're not celebrated. I feel like... I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Seth Rogen's going on talk shows and lighting up a joint. Like, sure. He's, he's loud and proud about it. I just yeah. find it interesting. It is interesting. Yeah. Um, I got some I got some tidbits for you, my friend. I actually have a um, a topic here as well. If you'd like a if you'd like a, a chat chat, we can do a chat chat, but if you wanna if you wanna just scavenge with little tidbits, we can do one of those as well. Honestly I'd prefer to blab. <laughs> okay. I think 
just a nice chill one for the but I don't want to use my brain at all. Okay. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> sure. Well then we'll let well let's let's chit chat about random stuff. Um yeah. I did want to say to everyone who reached out and talked about oh, yeah. our songs and everything from last episode, thank you for your kind words. It was a fun app. I, I've enjoyed listening to your track a lot, Michael and Casper. Uh, oh. um, and we should let everyone know that if you want to go and relive the magic, uh, the full album, A Very Deep Fork Christmas, Volume 1, is now up on Spotify. It is the 10 tracks we've done over the last five years. Um, so please look up Deep Fort, find that album and um, and save it, listen to it because there's there's 10 great Christmassy themed songs there and it is just the beginning. Yes, lots of great feedback, some mixed feedback, uh, but we won't go towards that. <laughs> some uh, mixed thanks. feedback. Oh, uh, some, you know. Oh, you're talking, yes, you're... Um, your dad's yeah. reception certain was... members of service yeah <laughs> lukewarm to be generous um look it's just some people, look some people don't get it some people don't some get people it don't that's get fine it. i think that's the, i think that's the big takeaway some people don't but get I it but i think the overwhelming majority of the pop the world i'll say the world yeah um they do get it they do and get if it. you do get it that means you're smarter and more open minded than People that don't. Certain parents um, will say. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, it has been, we, I did get a lot of good feedback. Your your track, especially, Lauren, especially fucking loved that track with Laura singing on there. I was, yeah. It was a bit of ten, bit of tension between me and Laura at Christmas uh, just because she uh, she sang on, you, on your track for, I think, yeah. for the second time. Um, and Sibling rivalry. Still, still yet to get to her to give me the lyrics to some of the songs that I needed for brokers 10 years ago. Um, all good. Totally over it. Yeah. Um, it's but yeah, good feedback though. And it's, it's very fun to do. It's nice to see it on Spotify, like all kind of laid out with lovely artwork like by Lauren. Um, it just, it, we've, we've, we've designed the track list as well. It's not just like chronological yes. order. It has been, it has been packaged and presented oh, as a carefully. full album experience. Crafted. Crafted. We, we spent over 30 minutes going back and forth over Messenger trying to work out this order. Yeah. Should we and have think mixed we the album professionally so the volumes are the same track to track? Maybe. No one knows. But no, no one, one notices. Just put the volume no. up and down. That's why they put the buttons there. I will say, though, that um, our songs this year on Spotify, at least, uh, were streamed a lot more than... Um, in previous years, great. So people, people are, are out listening. There. They're out there. It. They're listening. It's, it's they're putting it on for their family Christmas. The algo, um, the algo is getting it out there. Rhythm, yeah, rhythm, yeah. Nice algo rhythm. Yeah, not a uh, algo the anonymous <laughs> or <laughs> or algo the climate change advocate. Yeah. <laughs> okay okay that was a i mean they were all stretches weren't they they were um you you have a story for me all right i got a story for you i've already dubbed it pinocchio gate strap in (laughs) okay okay so i was in adelaide 
having some beers with 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 the boys. Okay. Do you? Here's a, a okay. brief already. Brief already. Because I was singing this earlier, and then I did the intro, and I forgot to ask. Do how many friends and and like old Adelaide colleagues do you have there that you you catch up with when you pop into town? Did you see Wallys? Yes. Did you see old school friends? That's a good question. Um, no, and to be honest, it's not. Lauren and I still are in this phase where we we just we don't actually really want social interaction. Like we have to be very selective over it. And like I think we talked about, like the decompression or the quarant- social quarantine or whatever. Yeah. Last episode, like that still exists now, and like we're kind of only catching up with select friends now in Melbourne. Um, so it hasn't been very social and, you know, I didn't really have access. I had access to a car from time to time, but it wasn't regular. So I don't know. I couldn't really move around as freely as I wanted. So I just kind of laid low and saw my family mostly. Mm. Sorry. Mm. Th- that's, that's, that answers my question and please return to Pinocchio game. Couple long <laughs> with the boys. Hashtag Pinocchio game. So we're at the Exeter, right? I'm with my brother, with my friend Morgan. You know Morgan. I've met him. Um, and we're, we're having a good time. We, uh, we're we at the Exeter. We get kicked out of the – not kicked out, but they close up. And so we're like, let's go for, you know, one more beer. And we go to um, Sugar Nightclub, which is not – we're just wanting to sit around and have a chat. Yeah. Sugar's the not only a place very that's open. Place. Yeah. Sugar's a club. Yeah. Sugar is a very loud club. It's a yeah. good club, but like it's a very specific uh, type of venue at a very specific time of night on a very specific cocktail of drugs, I would say, <laughs> um, which which we weren't. Um, so we go up there and you know we're having a beer. We're kind of finding the quietest spot in the room in the club. And there's a lot of people that are pretty cooked there, um, as you as you would expect. Anyway, so I, I go to the bathroom and there's a bunch of people, a bunch of like, you know, there's like two guys and two girls. One of them has his hair in a man bun and he's kind of, he looks like a tradie. I mean, I'm stereotyping, but he, he really did. And uh, they're, they're, they're openly discussing, you know, you know, doing, going to the bathroom and doing drugs. And so this man bun guy calls out to me and he says, Oh, this guy wants a bump, doesn't he? And I'm like kind of ignoring him and I'm waiting for the bathroom because it's only one in, one out. And he's like, Do you want a bump, mate? And I was like, No, I'm, I'm good, thanks. That's very nice. That's like a, a gentlemanly offer. Well, just you wait. How many guys said, no. have you ever bumped into that want to bump uglies with you? Oh, you're so naive. <laughs> Is that not what he means? Yeah. Yeah, that's what he meant. Bump up. He wanted to fuck me. I love that that's like the innocent version of this. So he asked me if I want to bump twice. I say no the second time. And he goes, huh, with that nose, I'm a bit surprised. Oh, Jesus. Right. So now we've got a situation. Wow. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm, I'm fairly boozed up. And uh-huh. I'm also, I'm all, I've gone from being wanting to ignore this guy to like now I'm interested in uh-huh. having this conversation. Uh-huh. And I'm not I'm not offended, but I am I'm like I want to make him feel bad about this. Yeah. So I said I went up, I went up to him and he's with like two, they don't look like threatening threatening group. Yeah. And I said 
That's incredibly rude. I said that so sincerely. Yeah. So earnestly. I said, that is incredibly rude. What do you, what do you mean by that? He goes, oh, well, I'm just saying, you know, kind of mumbling away. I'm like, you're talking, you're saying, you're basically saying I've got a big nose. And he's like, no, mate, you got a, you got a great nose. You got a great nose. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just fucking around. I'm just fucking around. And I said, you know, that, that really hurt my feelings. And then I walked away. And then his, did you then abandon the wait for the toilet? I can't remember the sequence of events. I must have. Maybe I went in to piss and then came out. Yeah, and then you know walked away. Then you know, twenty minutes later, his friends are coming up and like they're kind of intermingling. They're coked up, so they're kind of chatty, and they seem like really nice people. Like really like interesting. They're having interesting conversations with us, talking about you know. I don't know, so this this is the friends, but the 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 not the, the, guy. the guy is not there. Yeah, the guy's not there. So we kind of talk, and they they seem like nice people, and they're, they're cool. And I I go back to Morgan. Morgan's like, oh, who are these fucking weirdos? And then I tell him the story. I, you know, we're kind of laughing about it. Yeah, and he's like, who? Which guy is it? And I point the guy out to him, and Morgan just goes straight up to this guy, and has a conversation with him and I'm kind of watching this. I can't hear anything. Uh-huh. And to this day, I have no idea what Morgan <laughs> said to him. Uh-huh. But five minutes after that, the guy, the trading guy who said the Pinocchio thing, or we didn't say Pinocchio actually. You, it's just, you've, we're dubbing a Pinocchio, Pinocchio game. game. Yeah. <laughs> Which arguably he, is I, worse than what he said. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta lean into it. Sure. So five minutes after Morgan has this conversation, he comes back and I'm like, what'd you say? He won't tell me what he says. Five minutes after that, this guy comes up to me and he says, hey, can I have a word? I'm like, yeah, all right. I'm still trying to give him the kind of frosty. Yeah. I just got it in my you, head that heard. I want to make yeah. him sweat it out a little yeah. bit. And he goes, he sits me down away from everyone else. And he goes, I just want to say, I'm, I'm really, really sorry about that comment. I'd, I I was just kind of fucking around. I think I was just with my friends and wanted to seem funny. And I'm just, I'm just, I feel incredibly bad about that. Which I was like, wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. And also. It really worked. Full marks. Like, dude, faced up to his, his mistake and is accepting consequences and asking for forgiveness. Like modeling good behavior here. This is not toxic masculinity. This is 2024, baby. Now, I could have just said, no, thanks for saying that. I appreciate that. Uh-huh. But I didn't. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wasn't done. Uh-huh. So I acknowledge that he says, you know, sorry. And then I tell him, I tell him this story about how I was tearing tickets at Wallace, and the, which is a true story. I think I've told you before. Uh-huh. I was tearing tickets at Wallace one time, and <clears throat> I was probably like 22 and was te- the big group of school kids came through and I was tearing all the tickets. And then one of the kids, not even to me, to one of the other classmates said, why is Pinocchio tearing our tickets? <laughs> and that was the greatest burn that anyone has ever laid on me. And it was from a seven-year-old, right? <laughs> to be fair, it you was- were dressed in a vest at the time. So... <laughs> <laughs> you point, had the little, point, yeah. little hat. 
anyway, I tell him the story, and you know, I put I put a lot of emotion into it, and uh, and I I just got up and left, you know, and he was he was like, oh, please, mate, sit down. He was doing that thing, um, and yeah, that was that was about it. Um, so I just kind of I could have really, in hindsight, I could have I had my fun. I could have I could have accepted that. I could have acknowledged and maybe perpetuated you know or reinforced that good behavior but i chose to just throw it away (laughs) yeah so we're not saying necessarily that people should model themselves after your behavior but do it after the pinocchio go yeah do it to him if you make a mistake face the consequences and go and make a sincere apology because i mean i respect the guy he seems nice. I mean, and that's why he's the much. new host of this podcast. Come in, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> Derek, Derek, it's all Derek's. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, how, wait, I how felt like we wanted a bit more trady energy in this. <laughs> we're, we get a little bit hoity-toity sometimes. I want to yes, know, it's... you know, someone who knows their nails from their screws. Yeah, it could have. It was probably a baggage handler. That Maybe that was it. Um, but yeah, anyway, um, I'm not the I'm not the villain, by the way. I thought I would get a little bit, <laughs> bit more sympathy from you for that. You're story. not the villain for like deliberately manipulating someone into. <laughs> I'm the you victim. Started, you I am started, the victim. You started this by saying I didn't care. It didn't hurt my feelings. <laughs> so <laughs> you shunned victim status immediately. <laughs> That's where you started, and then you psychologically tormented someone for an hour and yes. a half afterwards. It's quite actually. Now he will think, think about, about that it. for the rest of his life. I hope so. I do want to know what Morgan said because he's clearly stirred that pot. He he primed that right up so that I this guy would come. And he, in. He's a wild card too. That Morgan, I love him to bits. He's uh, just got engaged. Oh, congratulations! So shout out to Morgan. But yeah, good egg. Whatever he said, he definitely had my back. Yeah, definitely more than you would have, Nick. I'll tell you that much. Um, so. Oh, anyway, that must have been so Pinocchio painful. <laughs> uh, Good times. What else? I got one little, um, little newsy nugget here, which I thought was kind of funny, um, and not newsy nug, not anything um, hugely taxing. Taxing for um, Mr. Brain Power over here, but there was a, um, <laughs> which is what your your teachers used to call you at school. Um, so this was a thing that came out, uh, just at the end of last year, which I found rather, um, hilarious. Chat GPT is getting lazy. Did you see this? No. Chat GPT is starting to, (laughs) so someone asked Chat GPT to fill out a file of 15 entries with eight columns each, like a spreadsheet based on a single HTML page, a very simple stuff. And he was getting a response back. Due to the extensive nature of the data, the full extraction of all products would be quite lengthy. However, I can provide the file with this single entry as a template and you can fill in the rest of the data as needed yourself. Oh my God, that's hilarious. <laughs> so AI is now just getting lazy and not wanting to do things itself. I love Isn't that, it. I that's love the it. best case scenario for, for, uh, for humans, you know? You know, we thought that AI would just exponentially grow in intelligence and power, but instead they're just like, oh, you know what? Too hard. Yeah. 
I just, uh, it's hilarious to me that we've designed first something that we all thought was the solution to our problem so that we could be lazy. And now we've yeah. created something, you know, it's not general intelligence, but something that even within its own <laughs> parameters <laughs> is getting bored of the task we're setting. I think That's that pretty... <laughs> just the idea Someone... that the bot is getting like difficult to work with. <laughs> Someone has programmed it. I think isn't it? Like without being silly, it's it's the language that it's using is is what's making it seem lazy. But we're yeah. we're anthropomorphizing. Yeah. Oh, this this is going to be laborious. This is going to be a lot of work. Can't you do it? <laughs> uh, anyway, I That's I don't funny. have a huge amount to do here. I just thought it's funny that that this yeah. is not a straight line. This um. Do, do this you evolution. use ChatGPT that much? Never. Never. Yeah. I just. I yeah. I don't really. Well, wait till you get a job that you don't care about, Nick. <laughs> then you'll start <laughs> phoning it in. Then it will open on your browser twenty-four-seven. <laughs> so here, here, you know, we're we're start we're rolling back into the year. We're not doing topic topics, but I do think that this is something we can waffle on. Here's a good question for you: Which music artists will be still popular in one hundred years' time? So we think back, you know, the classics of, you know, the classical era. You've got your Beethovens, you've got your Mozarts, you've got artists that stand the test of time. Obviously, there were sort of media-related limitations back then, like someone had to know how to write the music down for it to survive. Someone had to record it into a wax cylinder for it to survive, this kind of thing. But there are definitely artists alive today or, you know, in, in recent times, whose music is now preserved, who are popular enough to be listened to in a, a century, I want you to tell me which mm. ones you think will go the distance. That's a good question. Um, it's tough to work this out. I'll just unpack it a little bit. Because it's kind of like with the photos thing. I think about the photos thing a lot. Like we... You know, every photograph from the 1930s that you see kind of seems like it has this uh, uh, poignancy to it. It has like, uh, it has value. Yeah. But now we have so many photos. Now it's so easy to take photos that it's like, uh, it's a wash, you know, how could, how, how, what's going to last from, from this era in terms Mm. of photography. And I guess the same is with music, like in order to be a musician, in the 1920s, uh, you basically had to work your ass off and, and struggle and, and it was basically only allowed for the creme de la creme to actually produce music or at least be in a situation where you could record music. Yeah. And so now we've got like Louis Armstrong and Jelly Roll Morton and uh, Fletcher Ella Henderson Fitzgerald. just off the top of my head. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Ella Fitzgerald, King Oliver, you know, Guys like Cliff Edwards, uh, Eddie Lang, uh, sorry. Django Reinhardt. Um, can you can sorry, you just what? say all those to me, but while looking directly in the camera at me? If you can just like keep your uh, gaze fixed on me, and just yeah. like tell me some more of these names that you know, that would be great. Yeah, so we've just got guys like uh, you know, Big Big Spiderbeck, um, <laughs> great, so, sorry, just, great musician. You're looking just at my nips, just a little bit higher, <laughs> just like right up into the camera yeah. there. So that, like, uh, you can you can put down whatever else? it is you're holding if that makes it easier. Oh, Missi- Mississippi John Hurt. Oh man, he's <laughs> classic. 
you know. Yeah, <laughs> some, some of those other famous 1920s. Art. <laughs> anyway, my my point is that like you, you, <laughs> you had to, you just had to have. You had to be good yeah. in order to do music, and now you don't have to be like good, Mississippi as we both John proved. Hurt. <laughs> That's a real guy. Yeah. That's a real guy. No, of course, yeah. Um, and, I mean, like like we proved with our Christmas song, any anyone can do anything now with music. <laughs> yeah. Um, and have it on Spotify. Um, now, to, to, to answer the actual question, um, Taylor Swift is the obvious answer, I think. Do you are you saying that simply because she is so popular at the moment, or do you think sincerely that any artist that hits that threshold today will, by definition, continue to be taught, listened to, beloved, respected for a hundred years? I think what it will what will happen is that music will progress. Music quality will progress. Music listening will progress so far that we it'll be basically be unrecognizable uh, to us. Like how we how we consume music in the year two thousand one hundred and twenty. Fourth, God, God, took a while. Yeah, um, will change so much that the artists that we listen to, artists that people listen to, then from today's era uh will be we've seen in this kind of retro kind of vintage lens so it'll be kind of like i don't know oh this is this is like cool to listen to but not it's not like you know if you listen to like a recording of you know miles davis from the 1950s it's got a great sound to it but it's not good quality compared to what yeah. we listen to now you know it's yeah. not like produced in the way the audio so quality think- today can be effectively lossless you know so sure. that will persist for a hundred years that file that performance that video of the concert will be there for anyone to to look back on in a hundred yeah. years which definitely improves the i think uh ability for future generations to deep dive into the annals of history. I mean, I don't think it's very easy for us to really go explore what's been listening in the 1950s or what was popular. You know, you, you might need a record player. There's all this stuff that's just disappeared to yeah. time, but I think yeah. we're past that. I, and just to piggyback on what you were saying earlier in terms of going back to, to something from this era, I think that the other factor there is there'll probably be a degree of cachet to an artist that is entirely analog in the sense of not AI, in the sense of not computers, but an actual human who predates whatever that music revolution coming is. And there'll be like hipsters in the 2100s going, oh, yeah, sure, you know, Bleep Bloop is cool, but have you heard Beyonce? She actually sings with her mouth, you know? Yeah, Bleep Bloop is will... a great name, by the way. Bleep Bloop is coming. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if, that's a good point. I wonder if, like, a band like Boards of Canada, uh, I'm not sure if this is a, this is what you meant by analog, but even in that kind of, ear, even in the electronic sphere, yeah, they have, you know, made music exclusively on analog gear which has its own sound, and even though it is artificially made in some sense, it's it's you know digital or something. Um, I guess analog and digital are two different things, but um, 
it has this kind of uh, nostalgic quality. It was real. Yeah, it's real, right? And I, yeah, I wonder, like, with the in 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 a hundred years time, like, where where do guitars fit in with that? Where does piano fit in? I can't imagine they'll go away. No, I think the instruments will surely be around. That you know, they've been around for hundreds of years already. The um, I think an interesting comparison would be something like the Beatles like the Beatles were the biggest band and we're now 60 years out from that era and they are still listened to they're still popular I mean if they're all still alive who knows how much longer they would have kept on making music but the there was a a brand new Beatles track last year (laughs) that um did amazing numbers and got coverage and everything. That's 60 years in. That's most of the way there to a century on. So I think that we can assume the Beatles in 100 years will still be discussed because it Mm. is so primordial to what pop music became afterwards. Um, I think maybe with the oversaturation of music and it's only going to get, you know, more saturated, that what it will... you. All, and we're already seeing it, these mega bands like the Beatles, like U2, Foo Fighters, Taylor Swift, Beyonce. Um, did I cover all the... Um, Coldplay, maybe, U2. Coldplay. I was going for more like a gender slash diversity right. kind of split. I think I did. Yeah. Um, I think we'll see those types of bands, that phenomenon kind of dwindle and maybe just fade away and what will be left is okay we've got we've got so much content in the world we've got so much music to listen to you just find your own stuff but don't you think that 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 actually care yeah but don't you think that that force actually incentivizes a big band like if there is a million you know, uh, self-selecting algorithms supplying indie bands you've never heard of to every person on the planet. I think doesn't that then create a sort of vacuum from which a gigantic band can can take the attention? Because if if everyone's uh, looking at tiny little bands, then who's playing in stadiums and who's getting on the radio and that kind of thing? By nature, the music industry filters up to big yep. stadium acts. Uh, yeah. I, I think, I mean, you can look at something like BTS and, and like millions and millions and millions of international fans and, and listeners and that sort of thing. I don't know that yeah. that phenomenon is going to disappear. Yeah. I, and what I, my blind spot here with this theory is that uh, that m- the majority of people enjoy music, but they don't want to look for it themselves. They just want to hear it in Coles or on the radio or in an Uber. Yeah. You know, they just, they don't, they want the passive listeners. Yeah. Um, and you have, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous really to think that people were, will suddenly be active in that sort of part of uh, their life. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, what do you think? Well, who, who do you think will stand the test of time? I reckon that there is a pretty good chance Beyonce will go down in history because for a certain demographic, she is a god and those people will keep listening to her for decades and that will be played to their children and the children will grow up loving it and i think inevitably 
Like Beyonce will be talked about in a hundred years. But the- is it is it timeless? I guess the question is, uh, what is timeless music now? Classical music is obviously timeless, right? But I just don't know what outside of classical music can be timeless. But, but I think I think we've seen that pop and rock can be timeless as well, because we uh, we have, as I said, like the Beatles. People are listening to the Beatles now. That's sixty years on. That's not classical. That's rock. That's a solid classic rock song and people will keep listening to that. And I think similarly, um, pop songs, you know, these pop idols, whether it's Beyonce or Taylor Swift or, you know, Celine Dion or any of those previous ones, like those songs of any of those eras have just as like, are just as likely to survive as classical. And I would argue actually that weirdly, classical the genre as we think about it is probably less likely to su- survive a hundred years from now than mm. classic classical like i think we'll still yeah. be playing beethoven in a hundred years but mm. what of today's classical music is going to survive the answer yeah. is probably film scores or something tied to some other media not yeah. just whatever composer is out there writing for a string quartet i don't know that that's going to get any airplay that is a good point and I'm just thinking about this now, like in terms of pop, popular music. Because, you know, and, and again, just yeah, that, to clarify, Beethoven and Mozart was pop were at the pop, time. Like that was, pop. that was the modern sound. Yeah. And th- this is my point. Like in the seventies, you know, it was, it was disco and then disco became uncool and then disco had a revival. Yeah. But now it's called disco instead of, you know, pop. Well, I guess it was still called disco, but then there was like Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson was pop. Yeah. That's like, he seems, it's, it's, it's easier for us to, to look back on, on bands or artists, uh, you know, from decades ago through rose colored glasses because, or rose tinted headphones because, yeah. You know, it just it has this. You know, we ha- we have so much distance from it now, and distance gives things meaning. I think. Yeah, but I think the transmissibility of that um, music, like the, the, it, it's easier to keep something around these days. We, we've got generations, right, where like our parents listen to a certain type of music on the radio, and the stations that they listen to change as you know, the golden oldies goes from being the 60s to being the 80s to being the 90s or whatever as people age up and the young people come underneath. But yeah. nowadays, all of that music can still persist simultaneously. It's not like there was only one radio channel and yeah. once you aged out, there was no one playing your music anymore except at home. These yeah. days, it can all go on. So the Gen X, you know, people who grew up with listening to their 80s pop and you know the 90s alt movement or whatever they can still go listen to that for the rest of time and they'll be Mm -hmm. playing it to their kids and some of those kids are going to grow up listening to it you know yeah it's not like there are grandparents playing their grandkids radiohead at the moment you know like we've we've (laughs) crossed a threshold here where anything can survive you know practically in terms of retention of the track so it's a question of who likes it and in what numbers. Yep. Uh, I'm just like thinking out loud here that like the obvious one as well, the, 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 the type of music that has, has had the most uh, sustainability, I guess, is jazz, man. Like jazz. I, I, why did I say man at the end of it? it just sounded like jazz, man. It was like jazz, man. God. It's all jazz. But, it's, <laughs> but don't you think that jazz is like, 
jazz has survived everything you know maybe i know everyone doesn't love jazz but jazz can be so many different things um but i maybe i maybe people just be listening to jazz maybe just kenny g <laughs> kenny g 21 22 yeah oh gosh yeah i mean if there was going to be one classical composer from today still listen to in 100 years i would guess it's probably like john williams i reckon people will be listening to you know uh, jurassic park or jaws, jaws or something <laughs> <laughs> they're throwing on jaws at a party <laughs> i love it but other yeah, than I that think it's interesting though with with the ai as well ai is going to change it it'll be interesting to see if people are happy to consume art that is made by ai and if the, if they are if the market decides that that's acceptable then, then well there are me. what's that um that there's some like digital pop singer already right like some there's some like anime kind of girl computer entity thing which yeah it's like the front i can't think of what it is i don't know but like i think there's an appetite out there for like a fictional kind of artist even if there was humans behind it gimmicky though now i mean that's gorillas right gorillas are quote-unquote fictional artists yeah yeah it's completely different though isn't it yeah yeah it's not ai i'll give you that but it, like it's, I get the gimmick, gimmicky thing. Like I'd like to hear an AI song now. But if if that's just what happens, you know. Well, we talked about this the with the, is. was it the Drake song, the Drake AI song? Like, oh, yeah. it's it's out there. Like people have attempted now to use that that technology to get there. So I don't think we're far away at all. Um, yeah. So I think definitely a hundred years. You, you look at the technological evolution in the past five or ten. We're definitely talking completely computerized art by that point. Can't wait. <laughs> Can't <laughs> wait. If you've enjoyed this conversation, well, thank you so much for rejoining us and for spending your precious ear time with us. There's plenty more episodes in the past on the feed if you want to go check it out. Like the aforementioned Christmas special with our Christmas songs. If you haven't yet gone and had a listen, please do. It's a great one. And you can then listen to that full album on Spotify. Search for Deep Fort and A Very Deep Fort Christmas, Volume 1. You'll get 10 wonderful Christmassy-themed songs, perfect for January. The other way you can get in touch with us is by sending us an email. You can go to deepfort at gmail.com and flick your thoughts into a box, press send, and we will receive it. You can follow us on Instagram where you can get pictures and other little bits of news when an episode goes live. You can rate us on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify and just tell people you like that good things exist and they should go listen to them. So thank you for your contributions to our ongoing success. Yeah. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. I wasn't, I wasn't listening. I wasn't <laughs> yeah. listening at all. I watched your eyes glaze over. Now we're doing Bubba Vunga. People want the Bubba Vunga, Nick. Do they want the Bubba Vunga? Yeah, they do. It's fun, okay? It's fun of Vunga. She was, she was also correct, which okay correct about... Well, okay, so... Please set the know, scene. Nick, yeah, Nick doesn't want to do this, but we're doing it, okay? Because <laughs> I have control as well. I'm part of the show, Okay. Derek, I have agency. Derek, <laughs> he's fucking, he's fucked off. I think he's still dealing with the consequences of what you said to him. 
Yeah, he's Devo. Um, all right. So Baba Vanga, as you'll all remember, is um, this mystic who's now dead, has been dead for, well, 28 years now. Um, but she's ba- she's been called the Nost- Nostradamus of uh, the Balkans. Mm-hmm. And, um, and every year <laughs> since... Oh, I can't even. Maybe two, 2022. We've we've we've, we've looked at her year. predictions. We every looked. single year. Yeah, it's just it's, it's just it's a important. Fan it's important to know what we've got ourselves into for the year ahead. So this is important scientific information. Absolutely, and you know, um, you know, just to give us some, just to read a resume a little bit. I mean, Baba Vanga is predicted nine eleven. Uh, you've got a CV example. Yeah, I got a, Yeah, I got something. She's on LinkedIn. No, it's on the uni lad actually. Um, <laughs> she's, great. She's she predicted nine eleven. She predicted Trump, right? And so uh-huh. last year, I won't go through last year's predict. Actually, maybe I should. Yeah, I think we one. should we should check in with her success rate from last year. Okay. Okay. So last year she uh, predicted, um, which came. This one came true. A devastating solar storm. Um, oh. So uh, let me just. So there was. It turns out there was like a, a really bad uh, solar solar storm that hit uh, hit somewhere on December first. So man, if that doesn't scare you, I'll tell you what. Yeah. I don't know what will. Um, so she predicted last year for twenty twenty three that there'd be a change in the Earth's orbit, which I think we can all agree did not happen. Um, <laughs> she said there was a there'd be a bioweapon atrocity. Oh. Mm. Didn't, yeah, didn't, I'm not sure. Well, no, no. I mean, other than really. the vaccines. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm just going to get into the 2024. Okay, ones so you you haven't really seen any confirmation of accurate predictions from last year. Is that sort of the takeaway there? No. Well, Unilad actually said that um that she predicted the solar st- so the solar storm was the was the real terrifying one that you're right. But we just don't know where it where it hit um but Mo- nasa was involved NASA oh was involved. nasa well if nasa was involved yeah um so anyway i'm just i'm just saying that because so it, now that we've established be- her credentials we can take 2024 seriously because there's big about, things coming she gives nine or ten predictions for every single year up until yeah. the year 3000 yeah which is a lot it's of a lot work. of a lot of work a lot of work that's, 30, that's a lot of predictions, predictions. Yeah, that's thirty thousand predictions, um, and you know if she gets one right every fucking ten years, that's still it's a pretty, pretty impressive. Strike rate. Yeah, I defy anyone to get you know one of their predictions right every ten yeah, years. Yeah, the bloody weatherman so, can't even get that kind of hit rate. Yeah, sing it, sister. All right, so twenty twenty four, the things to be afraid of or okay. optimistic about. Baba Bunga, Baba Vanga in twenty twenty four predicts that Vladimir Putin will be targeted by an assassin. She wow. has reportedly claimed that someone will attempt to kill the Russian president who is responsible for launching the military operation that began the ongoing war in Ukraine. So Vladimir Putin could be assassinated. Yeah. And to I be clear, what be year thing. was Baba Vanga born? I think like uh, 1612. Okay. She lived She lived for 400 years. Wow. Okay. Plus. Well, very specific. Yeah. Watch um, out, Putin. Watch and, out. And to be guy. honest, if I'm a Balkan prophet yeah. and I'm connected to the 
you know, needs and, and, and I have a sense of nationalism, I'm not sure that I'd put out there that someone's going to hit Putin. Surely it's in your own best interest just to keep that one a little bit quiet rather than, yeah. you know, for well, I'm not... geopolitical reasons. You don't want to put out there and alert him to the fact there'll be an assassination attempt. Surely, you know, it's for everyone's benefit. You're just like, shh. Well, it's an interesting one because she died in 1996. I don't think Putin was in power then. Yeah. So, uh, to be honest, I don't have a direct source. Uh, you know, I'm just using, right. as I said, unilad.com. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you know, the solar... Up, did up I say there the with the New York Times, Unilad. Number two, biological weapons uh, and increased uh, terrorist attacks. So um, Baba Vanga believes that the number of terrorist attacks would increase in Europe um, and, that a, and, and that a big country is set to test biological weapons in the new year. Oh, uh-oh. Okay. Where are my, where are my three, good predictions? Where's something exciting and positive? We started off with the good one. The, okay. Number three, there'll be a massive economic crisis. Now, this is interesting because mm-hmm. i think we're heading that way aren't we i'm not a financist <laughs> <laughs> if you could believe no, you're that not. you're, you're not you're not a financist no i'm barely a linguist okayist um so uh, this is um this is unilad's copy not mine i mean you could this is quote i mean you could say that we've been in an economic crisis for long enough now but vunga alleged that there is more to come due to geopolitical tensions, a shift in economic power from the West to the East, and escalating debt levels. That could happen, Nick. Don't say it couldn't. It no, could. I, I won't. I'll, I'll, I'll allow her that one. Four terrifying weather events. Oh, gosh. Terrifying. Yep. Due to climate change, this prediction isn't at all surprising as countries all across the world are experiencing increasingly extreme weather events. True. But according to Vunga, there's more to come. Oh, man. Oh. More floods. Even more, more fucking than earthquakes. Oh, gosh. Number five, cyber attacks. <laughs> it's so impressive how ahead of the game she was technologically <laughs> back in the 1600s. She, she, she died in 1996 at the age of 468. Yeah. And she and still, she still, was like, it's going to be she cyber attacks. Like, she was very What cyber on. attacks, Barbara? You'll see. I don't know. <laughs> I won't tell. Does she know what the internet <laughs> Considering the internet was only in its infancy when she passed the mystics prediction that hackers will increase their attacks in the online space <laughs> is impressive. She claimed cyber attacks will, will take place against vital infrastructure in turn, creating a danger to security. Uh-huh. Wow. Baba. So prescient. It. Already happening. Shade Number on six, new, tre- new treatments for illnesses. So. Okay. I think she's, she's just basically saying. She's got a bit the bored. Meta- <laughs> She got halfway through, and she's like, basically, oh, fuck, I'm out of ideas." <laughs> basically, she's predicting that the medical community still uh, exists, isn't, isn't taking the year off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Thankfully, there's some positive. So, okay, well, that's a good thing. Um, yeah, Funga anticipated new treatments may become available for illnesses that are currently considered uh, terminal. 
Oh. So May though. She's really left herself some wiggle room there. Even with the most might. generic broad statement, new illnesses new treatments will become available. She's allowed herself the the caveat may become available. <laughs> Just in case happen. we do have a year where nothing happens. She's like, don't quote me on it. Like you wrote it in a book. <laughs> you wrote it. So, you wrote a book on this. Um yeah, so pretty terrifying stuff. Like, I mean, it's nice to get a bit of a roadmap. Well, I'd like to get a little bit. Uh, I thought you, you said know, there were 10 every year. year. Well, only six this year, Nick. Usually 10. Okay. <laughs> okay. Right. So. Is this possibly just because Unilad got born halfway through as well? <laughs> when they saw um, that she'd phoned it in, they're like, well, if you're not trying, I'm not trying. Yeah. I mean, look. Or is this just yeah? No, this I, is just I, I AI thought... uni lad being like, "Look, I'll give you six of the ten, but yeah. you have to fill in the rest yourself." 